1: Happy Tuesday everybody. Today is Tuesday, October 6th. We are finally in deer season and today Casey and I are doing our annual truck tour down to Ohio and we're recording a podcast talking about everything that you want to know. So get your pad of paper and your pencil and get ready to learn. All right, welcome to the Fall Podcast. Today, I'm on the road with Casey. We're kind of doing our annual uh, truck podcast, if you will. We've done it the last couple of years, so if you hear some truck noise, we are going down 30 East in somewhere in Ohio right now.
2: That's right, headed down 30 East. If you hear anybody honking or trying to run me off the road, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not paying attention, apparently.
1: Yep. So we are heading down for the first trip. It is. We're recording this on October fifth. This will probably go live tomorrow at some point. So um, we got a full week here in Ohio coming up. I'm I'm excited.
2: Yep. It's about that time. We got to get in the stand, man. We've had good temperatures all around for the last little while. It's been uh, it's been nice and cool. I think this morning was what like 30 degrees or something. When it was left left cold house. this
1: morning when I was when I went out to load my truck up the tailgate was froze shut
2: yep that's how you know it's time to get rocking and rolling seems like this is the coldest september that we've had for the last i don't know a couple yeah, of years anyway yeah. long time for that i can remember i agree and
1: you know you hunted with with adam a little bit this weekend and i hunted on the family farm in the one acre this weekend yep had some good sits i mean we had this cold front that just come through um i passed up a pretty decent buck a two-year-old you know on on friday night at the family farm and then found out that our number basically you can call it two shooter got shot by the neighbors friday night so that, that is a that is a bummer but that stuff happens and you know this cold front he was showing his face a lot in the daylight so you knew it was a little matter of time just had to keep your ass in the seat of the stand and hopefully he walked by it yeah really. that's
2: we're dealing with it down here, too, though. I mean, the same guy that uh, wiped Sneaky off the earth took one of our big shooters down here in Ohio the other day. So He was the same guy? Yeah, I think it was the same guy. Was it? I think so. Man, yeah.
1: lucky bastard. Yep. He killed another good one just the other day. Yeah, we
2: raise him right so he can kill him, <laughs> apparently.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, we're coming into the first, basically the first, well, into the second week of October. full first week of October, and I'm excited because you and I have not been down to Ohio in... Two years, two or three years, right?
2: Yeah, I haven't hunted here since uh, Eeyore, since we came mm-hmm. down with Kiesel and hunted gun season. So that's the last time I actually hunted down here. I know uh, Cody's a frequent visitor down here. Chris is a frequent visitor. JB's yep. a frequent visitor. But yep. last year, you and I got stuck uh, in the Midwest. Well, I shouldn't say stuck, but <laughs> we were out in Kansas. And then, obviously, you had the Iowa tag in which you walloped the great Hambino.
1: Got him. So... Yep. yep,
2: I'll take that over a trip down here.
1: I think we should kill another booner this year. Yeah, I, think I we mean, should. we're due, right? We need to
2: stack them. Yeah. Like, I'm looking to stack them this year. Yep. So, we got the tags to do it. Definitely, I agree.
1: Well, what, what's what's your game plan for this week? I know, obviously, we know we have a couple good deer down here. We really don't know what we have yet, but yep. a couple good deer. Chris was down here last week running some cameras, and then Chris and Cody and you, me, Keegan, and Adam will be in camp this week. But like, what's what's your game plan going into, you know, let's say the second full week of October right now?
2: So I think, uh, yeah, just starting off overall. I think this year's been this this year's been a weird year. I mean, it's twenty Let's be honest, it's a dumpster fire. <laughs> um, but it's been a weird year. You know, as how that has impacted the travel and the hunting and everything else i mean normally we'd have at least one or two or more trips down here to ohio for cameras and stand sets and everything which we haven't been able to do same with kansas normally we get at least one or two trips in there later in the summer to Mm -hmm. get everything rocking and rolling get things fired up and we just haven't been able to do that this year so uh you know i think it's a little bit going in going in blind more than anything um We've got a lot of stand sets down here that are in great spots that are kind of surefire year after year. But I I don't have that ability to say, okay, there's a, you know, four-and-a-half-year-old 150, 160. Do I shoot them or not? Or do I wait for the five-and-a-half-year-old 140? Right. You know what I mean? Yep. I don't Or five-and-a-half-year-old 170. Like, who knows? I think going in blind, which is, I don't know, there's a little bit of excitement behind that. I think you and I have talked about that before. Like, going in blind sometimes is just as exciting we did it last year in the road stand
1: all three deer we killed
2: yeah we're all blind you know it was kind of like let's go in we know the stands are in good spots let's just see what the hell happens so i think you know as far as where we are in time and place you know being the second week of october kicking into the second week of october the deer should be working scrapes pretty hard they should have their community scrapes fired up really good they should be starting you know those bucks should be starting to make their own scrapes yep for sure um you know and kind of their the territorial side of things is kicking in right so you know, to me, I think there's always that that weird pattern between, like, all right, they're in their summer feeding pattern. And then the minute they go towards shedding out velvet, you know, a lot of times they do that, like, two-week, where the hell did they go? Yep. You know, they disappear for two weeks, and yeah, you don't know where they're at or what they're doing. But in most cases, they always seem to come back around. Not always, but in most cases. Um, so I think, you know, for me, I just I need to get out there. I need to see... I need to see what it looks like, right? we we got the crops. The corn is actually gone, gone. as of yesterday, uh, which is huge because a lot of times when you got standing corn this time of year, you still get a lot of hiders. You yep. know, they hide in the standing corn or they can get from A to B through standing corn where you can never see them or get a picture of them or scout them or do whatever. So, I mean, it's all about let's just get out there and let's get the intel. Let's see what we can find.
1: And that's a thing. Like, my family farm found out quick that this last weekend, you know, our hay field, is is a prime source of feeding you know in the evenings in the mornings and stuff like that but our hayfield was just recently killed off so uh we've got some acorn flats and the deer in michigan were on the acorns like crazy i mean if you could just find some white oaks red oaks i mean you're going to be in the chips like that friday night i hunted um you were with adam that night and i went to one of our acorn ridges and i saw like 11 deer a couple bucks, one decent buck that came right underneath me and i passed him up and but the deer were just they had no i was on transition from uh, bed to food obviously but i was in a staging area where the deer like i mean these deer were in no hurry to get to the field at all i mean they were here to eat acorns that's what it was yep so i don't know what our acorn crop is going to be in ohio yet but in michigan it was like get on the acorns you're going to see deer
2: yeah it it, that's a funny because it's one of the first things i was asking rock about is when we went Friday night. Is like you got any acorns back in this? No, <laughs> we went and hunted a 120 acre clear cut. So no, there was definitely right. no there were no oak trees. Yep. um but Ohio, I, I would assume, is going to be much the same as it was back home. Yep. Uh, if we can find acorns, you bet your ass we'll be in there. I mean, I went through the north side of my property back home the other day, and those acorns. I mean, it was just the, you could just tell by looking at the ground that there was a ton of activity in mm-hmm. there. I mean, the leaves were scut like everything was just yep. torn up. And you walk in there and you're like, holy crap. And it's everything. It's the deer, it's the turkeys, it's the squirrels, it's the, you know, it's the whole gamut. But I think the deer right now, especially, you know, I like to look at acorn flats a lot of times or ridges or whatever it might be with oaks. I like to look at it in terms of distance from their primary food source or distance from bedding because you're totally right in the fact that a lot of times they get in those flats or they get in those acorns, and they're not in a real big hurry. No. They just mosey nope. along and pick their way through them, you know. And eventually, yeah, they'll go out to the main primary food source, and when they're out there, they'll feed and sit down or lay down and chew their cud and do their thing, then get back up. You know, it's that kind of that couple-hour cycle that they have to go through with that whole deal.
1: Yeah, and that, that goes for as far as, like, we've got a couple cameras on the family farm that we've got. Right, basically, right in the timber, off of a few the the main food source, but a lot of deer on dark. You know, they're yeah. dark on that camera, but you know, so it's like we cast a net a little bit farther with the cameras, and then you're just trying to figure out, like, okay, maybe I'm getting them a half hour earlier over here, and yep. so, I think what's happening in that situation I was in last night. I mean, those deer literally are just inside the timber, like a group of a gaggle, if you will. I mean, there is a yeah. ton of deer in there, and you know they're not making it out till after dark so it's like just cast that net i think uh, also with cameras that, and it might take you a couple of days to figure it out and but get back in there the thing was is where the, where the deer are betting on that situation to where the food is it's only about a 200 yard buffer in between where there's oaks so you got to really tread lightly what i ended up doing actually i did a hang and bang i walked in there knew i mean there's acorns all around me so it's like you know just pick a tree and hopefully you know they well what had happened is i had i found a fresh grape just opened up like yep. literally the day before so i'm like okay i think i'm gonna i got acorns and i got this you know you never know they're gonna come check some scrapes maybe or hit it on their way out and i was i was in a in a pinch point where two oak ridges kind of made out made like a gate kind of and they all kind of filtered down through and it worked to perfection but just didn't see the one i wanted
2: yeah i mean that it becomes at a certain point it's just you're waiting on the right deer right yeah i mean you're where he's going to be you just got to be there when he is so i think the other thing is you know talking about the buffer 200 yards that's more than enough oh for sure i mean but to your point yeah you got to tread lightly you know on how deep in there you want to go before you start blowing up some of that bedding um but you know you just got to come to grips with a lot of people when their pictures go dark and they see deer at night You gotta come to grips with the fact that they're not laying down until after dark. They're getting up and they're doing something. They might get up and they're moving. They might move, you know, fifty yards, but Mm -hmm. they're getting up and they're moving. So they're not they're not waiting until the cover of darkness to to make a move. I
1: I agree. And that I think you're talking about the shift, you know, when the velvet comes off and then it's like where the hell are they kind of thing. I think there's gonna be another shift come up when people talk about, like, the October lull, I just think that's another shift yep. of that's going to happen. And I think who knows when it's going to happen. Um, but I think it'll be – I think it'll happen here soon again. And you just got to find those deer. They're moving somewhere. Yep. I, you know, the October lull, I, I just don't really – I shouldn't say it's a lull, but it's a shift. It's like they just – you got to adapt to it. Find them and, and go get them. So Yep. It's we'll a see. changing
2: of the seasons, changing of the pattern a little bit. I mean, I – I personally, am I a believer in the lull? Not necessarily. Um, I agree with you. I do think it's a shift that happens. But at the end of the day, like, the deer can't just disappear out of nowhere forever. Right, exactly. They still have to eat. They still have to feed. They still have to get water. They still still have to do all those things. They have to survive. They (laughs) have to survive. That's a necessity, right? So they're just changing a little bit in terms of how they do it. So I also happen to think that that time of year, you know, throughout the summer i think the bucks spend an awful lot of time in bachelor groups in the fields with the doe highly visible does are visible they know where the does are then they kind of know what's in the area yep and then i think that lull that people speak of is i really think the beginning of of the the bucks starting to really roam in terms of okay, now I need to pinpoint, I know where these deer feed, I know where these does come to, and I know, I might know how they get there, but I need to go find their bedding. I need to go see exactly where these does are because three weeks from now when I'm all hopped up on testosterone, I already want to have that plant, that, that work figured out, you oh. know. I want to be able to hit this, doe, this bedding area, that bedding area, this bedding area because they know it's coming. Mm-hmm. You know, they're starting to feel the change in the hormones and everything else. So I think rather than focusing on feed so much, during the day they're focused more on let me get out there get in the woods let's see if i can go figure out where these does are bedding because you know how it is you get family groups of does and four or five six does here and then a couple hundred yards away you get another little thicket with a family group of does so they're really trying to scope that out and figure that out because three weeks from now all hell's gonna break loose i couldn't agree more with that
1: because actually i got a scenario that just happened to one of my buddies really good hunting buddy of mine good friend um last week he's been getting a picture or camera Intel on a buck, a good Michigan buck, um, on one farm that he's got, and then three and a half miles away he's got another farm. Well, that buck ended up showing up three and a half miles away on his other farm, sure. and he's and I'm like, that's you know, that's pretty far for right now. I feel like yeah. you know, and in, in, in early October for the rut, I mean that's nothing. But I kind of agree with you. I had that train of thought. You're thinking. That you were just saying, like he's trying to see where the heck everything's at, yep, and figure out where these does are hanging out because it's not that he's. I think the buck is really the bucks are really starting to kind of like they're 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 loosening up. They can kind of feel it. it it's coming, mm-hmm. you know. They know what's coming. It just hasn't. Their body hasn't told them it's like time to go yet. Right. But they know it's coming. So I agree with that. I, and I think in that scenario that could be something that uh, i don't think it was a major shift for him i don't think that deer was like okay i'm gonna summer here and now i'm gonna fall over here because it just happened i mean out of nowhere yep but yeah it's interesting
2: and there's so much that goes into that too in terms of the terrain and you know what your cover's like and what the crops are and are crops up or crops down is it lots of corn is it beans is where do they feel safe you know fence rows are brushy there i mean there's a million factors within that in terms of where they go and what they do but you know, I also am, am a believer in, you know, a deer does what's best for that deer at that given moment. Mm-hmm. So through the summer, they're going to do what's best for them. They're going to find the best feed, water, and cover because that's what matters. But then as the rut comes on, they're going to begin to drill down a little bit and start to find, you know, the best cover in conjunction with the best doe population food doesn't
1: matter as much anymore that's right
2: that's right i mean we all they're notorious for eating on the fly and losing 30 pounds during the rut so at that time of year you know which is for better or worse that's the time that everybody dreams of Mm -hmm. you know because you just never know what the hell is going to happen so i think that lull as people call it leading up to is really those bucks starting to say okay this is coming feed is no longer my priority cover is really my priority because cover holds does yes feed has those as well but i need to scope the cover out i already know the feed yep i gotta figure out the cover
1: so scenario here for you and just kind of lay it out for you know the listeners out there that that are probably going to be into the same situation come this week or this next weekend so we're going down to ohio and what would be your game plan coming into an area that you, I mean, really haven't been to in a, in a little while. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, we've hunted it before. You've killed a good buck out here. You kind of know the landscape, but, like, we were, you and I were just talking, it's like, you know, Chris and Cody and JB have spent a lot of time down here the last three four years. Yep. We just had different tags and everything. But if coming into something that, you know, you might have a little bit of a finger on the pulse of, like, what, what's going to be your game plan and, and to kind of paint a picture for the Ohio property, a lot of rolling hills, yep. big timber, and where we're at. rich you know, top crop. Yep, rich top crop. That's that's really what it is. So what would be your plan coming up for the next week to 10 days? You know, start it off from A to Z, like what are you going to start with and then going from there?
2: So I think anytime we go into that situation, um, you know, well, you know what I try to look for. I try to look for Something that's going to give us a good vantage point that we can start out without blowing stuff up, right? Let's get an observation stand. Let's get somewhere where we can see and just kind of not be part of the action, but be privy to what's happening. So,
1: and it could still happen. And, it, it,
2: and that's right. So that's the key, right? And Not and taking yourself completely out of the you're game. You're not out of the game. You're, you got, you know, for me, I like to find those observation stands like Tiny Dancer, where it's like all right this is going to give me a real good lay of the land but boy we're still in it up mm-hmm. here like we're we're not out of this thing by yep. any means it could happen just as easily here as anywhere else so and that's a fine balance i mean you really got to look at the lay of the land and the property and and kind of to in order to dissect that but i think there's also something to be said for this time of year right now i mean you're not out of the game on food right because exactly bucks still are in somewhat of that summer pattern mm-hmm. so being on food especially freshly cut crop if you have it or food plots if you have it is still 100 percent a viable option because it's it's still a focal point you yep. know you may catch one that is just for whatever reason he's just still on food yep. like he's still in that summer like i'm lazy and i'm dumb and i'm stupid and i go from a to b every day and yep that's what i do so um so I think that's, you know, that's kind of what I go in looking at. I want, to, I want to see what's going on. I don't want to interrupt what's going on. I just want to see it first. But I want to see it from somewhere that I still feel like I've got the confidence that, hey, I could let an arrow fly in here. Yep.
1: I think we're going to stop and get some petrol here real quick. Yep. Got to get a diesel stop. The old girl needs a drink. And uh, we'll get back to you guys right here in a hot second. All right. We're back hot. We're all dieseled up, making the last leg right into, right into camp.
2: Yeah. Here we go.
1: So we just come off talking about what your plan was, A to Z. You know what your first step was going to be, and basically it's sit from afar but not be out of the game. And uh, what's Cody and Keegan doing? Did he forget to put gas in the truck? Did he? He. <laughs> I wouldn't surprise me. Uh, yeah. Waiting for these two <sighs> idiots. Anyway, um. Oh boy. You said you would. You know, sit from afar let it happen but not be out of the game now scenario if you were going to sit for a couple days and let's say you weren't seeing the intel you wanted to now maybe you're moving around a little bit or staying in one spot you're not seeing what you want to do what are you doing next are you moving into the first like betting betting area you're trying to find or you're just trying to get in a little deeper like what's your thoughts
2: um boom it's a toughie especially down here in ohio in the mornings um i think the best play down here in the mornings is to get off the food because we literally can't get on the food in the mornings yep. down here Yep. because of the way the farm sits. So I think uh, the closer to bedding, the better in the mornings. Yep. Um, you know how it is. It's, it's up and down. It's deep ditches. I mean, it's some nasty stuff. So that would probably be the game plan. And then the evenings, I still think sticking, sticking to food in the evenings, just, yeah. again, you know, you can see more it's going to give you a better vantage point you're gonna you're gonna be a little better off that way
1: i got you yeah and i don't disagree at all now the ohio farm kind of lays out a little weird because basically we got a long drive into into the farm and then it opens up into the big food source which is normally corn every year because there's so many deer that they eat the hell out of the beans and everything but you basically got to go through the food to get to the epicenter of the farm i guess you could say yep so it kind of lays out in a a weird way but like this year i think we might try to you know hone in on the front side of the farm in the mornings is that what you're kind of thinking yeah so we're not getting in there and just letting the deer come and it actually for mornings it probably it sets up really well to have the deer come back to us and we're not
2: getting into them i mean would you agree yeah it's it <clears throat> that's what makes it so tough is just the way this farm lays out is anything but ideal um but you'll have that i mean yeah piece of ground is what it is right you you got to figure out how to hunt it so yeah going through the food that's why it's so so tough in the mornings because you do have to go through the thick of it now there's you know little ways around it like the highway area where mm-hmm. you can kind of slip down off the edge and, and yeah not have to worry about that as much but
1: <clears throat> i definitely agree i think the biggest thing is we're going to get into camp tonight or today and go and go pull cards and i think that'll give us some good good intel on what we're going to do and, hey and look it's a bait state so i mean oh, sure. it, it is a tool to that you can use yep. <laughs> and yep. i'm all about using every tool to your advantage
2: yeah it's uh and let's not forget also Chris has hunted this farm for years. Yes, so. Chris knows this farm pretty well. <clears throat> yeah, so I'm going to rely on him a lot for advice and assistance on, like, hey, man, you know, what do you know about this place? Because yep. with as much time as he spent down here, he's he knows a hell of a lot about it.
1: Well, and last year, JB had a great hunt. Him and JB had a great hunt down here, and he did as well. I mean, you guys go on to YouTube, on Human Animals YouTube, and you can check all that out. Like, there was two awesome hunts on, uh, this is kind of weird, a cop with a, with a yardage wheel.
2: i don't get what that's all about that truck laying there completely smashed in
1: yeah that's weird but you know they had two awesome hunts down here in early october yep you know i think jb killed right around the fifth or sixth wasn't it of october
2: yeah and chris was opening day
1: yeah like 28th of september so i mean definitely some good hunts and you know get right in and kill him, JB's was in the morning, early October, Chris was in the evening, and Chris really, you know, he held off, uh, He, him and Rock went down there a couple days before season, they held off and then went in there on the right wind, they could have hunted uh, opening morning, didn't go in there because they didn't have the right wind, <laughs> went in there and smacked him, and then JB's was kind of the same thing, they hunted up front and let the deer come back to him off of the food. And those, like I said, those hunts are on our Humanimal YouTube channel and will soon be on our website, new website that's coming. So, that check those out. Those are sweet. Um,
2: and that, you know, going to Chris hunting with the, you know, waiting until the wind was just perfect. I think early season, that's more critical and more important 100%. than ever. Right? Yeah. N- now is not the time to get risky. <coughs> now is not the time to push your limits. Now is not the time to take a chance because... What you do right now is going to set the tone for the remainder of your season. For sure. So if you decide to go in there like gangbusters and and you know to hell with the wind, I think I can pull it off. Eh, I don't know that that's the best decision. Now, second week of November, November fifth, November. Sure, make you, a move. You want to push it and get aggressive? Go for it. But now, going back to the original approach, like of us going down here it's gonna pay off to just take your time be patient and that being said it's hard right because really hard. we've been waiting since last season for these days to get here so it's like oh man i'm yep. holy shit it's season like i gotta get out there i'm ready i'm excited let's do this and you just want to go flying in there and make something happen but you know just tread lightly it's worth it in the long run
1: yep now another scenario you kind of sparked a idea here so let's say you're not the casey Kiefer that is you know we hunt for a living basically you know mm-hmm. we're, we're not we don't because realistically we could take two weeks down here if we wanted to in a row and and that's what we're here to do yep what if you're the guy that maybe gets to hunt one evening a week but then he he's like his big thing is the weekends how are you pushing in you know are you or are you still keeping the same approach
2: i'm still keeping the same approach but but that I say that while I have the luxury to hunt right. as many days as yeah. I have to. But the other thing is, 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 you know, <clears throat> I also have the approach of, I usually try to find a specific deer mm-hmm. and we try to hone in on that deer and we try to go after him. but that's only because we have the time and the ground to do it. and the ability to be able to do that. I, al- I didn't always have that. You know, I, I used to be able to hunt two, three days here and there right. at one point in time. Um, And my approach back then was different than it is now my approach back then was rather than honing in on specific deer i tried to hone in on the landscape more Mm -hmm. right and try to put yourself in the perfect spot for the landscape not for a particular deer because much like we were talking earlier with you and the oak flat and the fresh scrape you're in the right you're in the right spot it's just a matter of being there when that deer's there you know so if I'm limited on time, I'm I'm way more uh likely to pay attention to what's the lay of the land, where are those pinches, where are those funnels, where are those high, heavy traffic areas, and just put myself in a good situation to hopefully be in the right spot at the right time.
1: Yep. And that's what happened to me like like we were talking this weekend is you know, I went into a stand opening morning, October first morning, got in early, was going way back in the back to some betting, but i passed a white oak tree that's got basically just a big sandbox underneath of it and there was no tracks in it whatsoever not one deer track because it rained the night before uh, or the day before and everything was like a clean slate when i walked back three hours later through that there was deer tracks all over it and some big like what i thought were big buck tracks so kind of took that into consideration like okay there's no food out in the field they're oaks. They're on the oaks right now. I need to hone in on oaks, and that's what I did. And I had two really good sets First as far as seeing deer. And then, um, you know, did see a, a, a you know a younger buck, a, a tweener buck. But that was kind of my approach this year on those farms. Is like when I see the hot sign strike, like right. like or the hot <clears throat> sign, or if you get some intel on like the acorns, like I got to get on acorns. Why waste my time? you know on a field edge or something right now when the field edge is just there's no food out there so like let's get in a little bit um and it just strike and it it worked out um i didn't kill anything but it worked out for sightings yeah so
2: and and, you know unless you've got a deer dialed right? unless you've got him honed in pinpointed and you know exactly where he is that's probably your best approach Mm -hmm. because if you're getting a picture of a deer I don't know. Let's, uh, we'll just make it up. Let's call it once every three days, Yep. once every four days. Well, he's in your spot once every three days, but he's somewhere else way more frequently than that. Yep. And chances are it's going to be in one of those funnels or pinches or, you know, critical kind of high traffic areas.
1: So let's talk about that. So like, let's say you have that scenario. What are you doing to figure out where the hell that deer is at? You know, are you just casting a wide net with cameras and just letting them do the work or are you you know trying to get out gas and glass and i know you like the gas and glass a lot but like if you can't see on your farms like we can in kansas like kansas you could watch your dog run away for three days right but like if you can here you you cannot you we're we're screwed from that standpoint like you cannot hardly gas and glass where we're at yep uh so what's your approach to that like how are you trying to figure out where the hell these deer are moving at
2: so it's kind of the backward approach it's okay i've got him on camera here and he's coming from that direction now let me start backtracking and see if I can figure out how he's getting here, you know? Um, I think a lot of times people try to worry about where he's going to once he's past your camera. So like, oh, I I catch him going to food. Well, that's great, but where's he coming from? You know, so try to backtrack and and use those cameras to get further and deeper in uh, to see exactly what he's using to get to you. And just like anything, you don't have to be on the farm to start finding the most likely way or route that he's using, start with an aerial. Right, get online, start looking at maps. Look at uh, look at the Topo. Start dissecting it from the air, and you'd be amazed what that can tell you. Yep. You know, even even like relief maps where you can see you know actual contour and everything else. Yep. Like, man, that that can that can tell you a whole lot. I've gone I've gone as far now as to looking at infrared maps. When you start looking at infra- infrared maps you can start to see like man this time of year when it's cold this is holding heat like that's got to be core bedding you know yep. i mean there's so many things that the maps can tell you
1: well and that's something that i'm trying to learn more about too i mean we look at the maps every day yep the maps and weather on our phone we look at it every single day and honestly i don't i still can't look at a map and be like i know what i'm looking at but i still can't look at it and be like man that is where like that's where they're betting you know it's it's uh, i feel like a map gets you so far and then you just got to get boots on the ground and go do that like yep because you could get an area where it's like well shit that is not what it is showing you know on the not what i thought it was exactly yeah so you might xnate that the whole way but i agree with you like great starting point i guess where do you kind of like cut it off where you're like not beating yourself up just looking at a map like where do you say okay now i just got to get in and i got to do it
2: so i use maps mainly to try to pinpoint travel routes that's more than anything i mean whitetails for the most part are just like every other creature on earth and the path of least resistance is mm-hmm. oftentimes the one that they're going to use right now that doesn't mean it can be wide open and bare i mean that listen in kansas it can't <laughs> yeah can, you know how they are they nomadic they don't, they don't care about anything down there they walk right through the middle of the wide open But I utilize the aerials in the maps to try to pinpoint and locate, you know, that path of least resistance. And then if I can find that, I at least give myself a starting point. I at least give myself like an, all right, I need to start here. And this is the most likely route that, you know, it's that age old, like if I were a deer thing, this is where I would travel and this is why. And then you got to get in there and see if it actually lives up to the reputation it does from an aerial map. So if you get in there... And I'll just you know, again we'll make it up for sake of discussion. If you get in there and you know it was uh, it was cut or select cut or, or clear cut or whatever, and you got you got deadfalls, you know, laying across every square inch of that route, then chances are they're not using that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, so yeah, I use it to try to find the most likely route, and then you got to get in there and see if it lives up to the reputation. So to kind of
1: go back to your your uh, clear cut reference i actually have that on my family farm we the last this last spring quite a bit of our property just got clear cut well all the popple growth and the new popple shoots and everything are about five foot five and a half foot tall right now huge leaves on them but i looked over i sat over one where a marsh meets hardwoods meets clear cut i want to see what was using it if they were and I felt like I put myself into like a three-prong approach basically where I had these three things coming together right here and it was on a great edge. Like it was where hardwoods, like I said, met marsh and I knew the deer weren't traveling this marsh very much but I knew they'd travel edge. Every deer I saw was on the edge of the clear cut. They were on the edge of the hardwoods where it meets the clear cut and they were bedding. I had three doe, four does came in and bed for 70 yards right on the edge, and they were just chewing their cud. They'd get up, and then they'd eat those big leaves on their on the popples. Yep. Not a lot of them were walking through that clear cut. Well, they might have been, but I just couldn't see them either. But to your point, I mean, you got all those treetops and everything that a lot of deer just say, piss on it, I'm not walking through that, yeah. you
2: know. Yeah, it's too much work. Would you walk through it? No, I tried. I mean, <laughs> with a <laughs> you, stand on my back. If you had an easier path, you yes. know, it, I yep. mean, it's path of least resistance, right? And I you mean,
1: cannot be quiet going through that shit either.
2: Yeah, and and you can't you can't underestimate what the path of least resistance means to animals, yeah. right? I mean, they're they're oftentimes after, in terms of food, the most you know the highest most valuable food source with the least amount of work, mm-hmm. and that rings true for any animal. That rings true. I mean, I'll I'll compare it to fly fishing. Like a lot of times in the middle of the hatch. If there's 10 different bugs coming off the water all at the same time, I generally start with, okay, what's the biggest, dumbest, slowest bug on the water? And that's probably the one they're feeding on first. That's a good point. Because they don't have to work as hard in order to get that, right? So they spend less energy. So all those things come into play. So, yeah, fly fishing, same happens in, in, in a whitetail's life. They're after the highest, most valuable source of food they can get. But they're trying to do that in the easiest way possible. So that path of least resistance is huge. And if anybody ever questions the path of least resistance theory, all you have to do is point to the construction of the Interstate 80 Highway in the United States of America. You know why? (laughs) Because the I-80 Highway is on the old bison migration route. I mean, think about that. They built a highway across the United States on on a migration route that the bison used to use, and it just so happens to be the path of least resistance from one section of the country to the next yeah so it's the easiest place to build a road you know what i mean so when you think about it in terms of that like they're not out there saying like "Oh, i'm about to run this steep ass hill to get to the corn up there yep. no i'm going to take this bench and then follow that saddle and then you know make my way out into the field where i can get the food because i sure as hell don't want to burn all the energy i'm eating trying to get there yep so
1: now i got a question for you now with the does so we had talked about the Bucks knowing that the rut's coming. So they're they're kinda out there looking looking to see where these does are really grouping up and where they're, you know, wanting to in the next two or three weeks where they're wanting to really hone in on where they're gonna go to find, you know, women. Sure. So are the does feeling this right now as well? Oh, like yeah. so I they're kinda so. laying low because I had I don't know how many does I saw this weekend that would come in and they just bed down around me. Yep. You know, and they're just conserving so much energy they get up eat some acorns but like our doe's thinking like shit i gotta conserve some energy because i'm gonna get my ass chased here for the next yep two months yeah, basically I, they're
2: feeling it too i mean Everything in nature, they they all feel it, right? I mean, they know the days are getting shorter. They know there's less light. They know the temperatures are dropping. They they know what's coming around the corner.
1: Well, and their body's changing too. That's right. They're having some things happen yep. that is, feel funny, probably. Biologically,
2: they're in all the hormones and every. I mean, all that's going through a shift. So yep. they know it's coming. You know, they're they're trying to figure out where they can lay low and how they can lay low and where they can keep out of the way. And in a lot of cases, I think does this time of year might even start that like. They start kind of showing up over there where they never really have been, but the reason they're over there is because it's private. You mm-hmm. know, it's kind of they're, they're starting to get ready to be off by themselves because they're about to get dogged yep. for a month mm-hmm. straight.
1: Yeah, that is true. And I know, you know, with this farm in I- or, oh, Iowa, I wish we were going to Iowa. <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> but this farm in Ohio, I mean, the cornfield, it fills up at night. So, like, we sit on this cornfield. We're going to see a lot of deer every night, but it's just figuring out, I guess – it, for in the morning, tomorrow morning will probably be our first sit. You know, obviously with not a lot of intel. You know, and I, you know, I hate the first filming trip of the year. Oh. Morning sits oh. are to to kick the, the the season off. Suck the first ones. You forget this. You don't. You're just you're a not in groove. You're a mess. You
2: got to get in a tree in the dark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like it's, I'm new. I don't know what to do. Yep. What am I doing up here? Yep.
1: Yeah, but so tomorrow morning. I mean, what's your what's your plan do you have like somewhere where are like all oh, right let's go take a shot at this spot or
2: i don't have anywhere in my head right now in particular um i we got to see what the wind's doing but um yep. my my i guess i do my thought would be like jagger let's get back in there yep. let's get off that field and mm-hmm. let's get back in because that the way that ridge and that point kind of sit back in there it's just a, I mean, it's a travel highway. It's a corridor yep. back and forth between a couple of bedding areas, couple of feeding spots. So it's like, again, what's a what's a likely area to put myself in the game? You know what I mean? To see what we can do. Deer travel through there a lot. Yep. So it just would have to happen. It's a high to be traffic the right area. One. Yeah.
1: And it's yeah, on it basically. It's just off like the inside corner of that cornfield. So, mm-hmm. but it's back in. I don't know. It's probably 150 yards back off the inside corner. Yep. So yeah, I I totally agree with that. We're in Little Town, Ohio. I don't even know what town this is. Oh, boy. Oh.
2: Keegan's got a backup. This up. is going
1: to be good. We got a semi. He's he's bitching at us now. Because. Can Keegan back up
2: or no? Yeah, Keegan's got plenty
1: of room yep. behind him. We're going to take a break here for station identification <laughs> and uh, let this semi. Oh, he's, he's going to be a dick about it. He's coming for it. He's going to be a real he's dick about it. He's coming for it. it. Yep. Yep. And we got a green.
2: So Green flag racing. And we're back, folks. There it is. <laughs> and we're back. And we're back.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. It's 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 exciting though because the weather in the mornings are are really good right now, and evenings. What is it going to get up like mid sixties this week? Yeah, I think we. I
2: think the highest day I saw was seventy on like Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, and then it's right back down into the fifties and sixties. Yeah, I think Chris
1: was saying too. Like he thinks Thursday and Friday will probably be the best days.
2: Yeah, they're the looking like the coolest by far. Yeah. So,
1: we'll see. We just wanted to jump on here real quick. We got about another I don't know thirty minutes left to go to the to get into camp and then go pull some cards and everything get get some stuff around and figure out a game plan but
2: it's time it feels good
1: it is time so yeah um hopefully we'll do another podcast don't forget we do you know the humanimal podcast is launched Um, we're going to start putting more content on there this week hopefully or next week we're going to start you're going to start seeing things trickle on there as well so anywhere you can download podcasts look that up too um yeah
2: we, we are going to get more content going on that podcast i think uh, just like everything else so far this year COVID is kind of throwing a monkey wrench into the whole process there just with trying to get everybody on the same page at the same time and yep it's been a challenge for sure but uh, yeah we're going to get more more content now that it now that things are starting to lighten up a little bit and we're hitting the road it's uh it's time time to go man
1: Yep and don't forget I mean we do have if you're itching for content or anything go back and look at all the stuff that happened to us last year and kind of be familiar and if you guys haven't seen it it's you know, go to YouTube right now, type in either Kiefer Brothers or Animal, and you'll see a lot of the stuff that happened last year. Really good hunts. I think we ended up killing 10 bucks. I think we had a great year last yeah. year.
2: Yeah, we had so. an awesome year. The other thing we got coming, too, that i just throw out there real quick, is we do have the launch of the brand-new website coming. Yep. And uh, I got to tell you, I'm excited for the brand-new website mm-hmm. because this is uh, – this is unlike anything that we've ever done in the past. You know, in the past, we've always put our television shows out there, and you know, people get to see that stuff on TV. And then over to the digital side with YouTube, and now we've got kind of the entire immersive story. So we've got you know all the written word content, the educational stuff, the entertainment stuff. We've got all of it packed together, story by story, from each one of us. I yep. think is the most exciting yep. part for me. Uh, you know, they get to see. All the adventures and all the stories that we, that we take on out there, whether it's the Whitetail Woods or the Elk Woods or, you know, in the middle of Alaska for 30 days, whatever it's going to be, that's all going to be told immersively. Piece by piece, over on the uh, on the new website, which is imhumanimal com, and that launch, we're getting close. Um, you know, not to blame COVID again, but we're getting close. We're it's been fine. a long process. It's, it's been a lot. long process. That website has been a long time uh, in the works. And the other part that excites me about this new website launch is, you know, we're actively looking for people that live that humanimal lifestyle that want to share their stories we're actively looking for those people to reach out to us bring us a story what do you got there's deer right there
1: sure two sightings sorry it's a button buck and a little doe they're chasing they're out they're hot
2: should have taken them with the hood <laughs> should have been
1: before you get into that but like explain to people what is living the humanimal lifestyle so they do know i mean a lot of people probably don't realize like what we're where we're coming from with it and it's really, I mean, in your words, what is living the human animal lifestyle?
2: Yeah, so uh, to me, it's a it's a way of life, right? Uh, we were put on this planet. We are animals just like everything else. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's. I always like to say for those of us that live and die by the rise and set of the sun, we get it. You know, there's more to life than the concrete jungle. Life is not lived in the concrete jungle. Life is lived out here enjoying Mother Nature and Mother Earth for everything she has to offer. Yep. Um, you know. I think our biggest thing that we all have to pay attention to, and that is it's our job to also take care of that. It's our job to take care of it. But if you're somebody that lives this lifestyle, you know, you personally or you and your family, and you're somebody that lives and dies by the rise and set of the sun, and, and, you know, you love the outdoors and you love the hunting and you love the conservation and you love the field to fork and you love telling stories and not just telling people your story, but sharing your story and teaching and continuing to learn what the outdoors is all about and sharing that passion because let's be honest this this you know the hunting industry it, it is a it is withering on the vine it is it, and it's sad, sad to, to see it's it. very sad to see but it has taken a severe hit uh you know over the past couple of years and it continues to take a hit and until we get more people involved that are the younger generation that know and understand why we do what we do, when they understand that we're not bloodthirsty monsters that are out there to kill things for no reason, when they understand the conservation that goes into it, when they understand the benefits from a nutritional standpoint that go into it. Um, you know, If you're that type of person and you have a grasp on that and you see more to what you do than just going out and sticking an arrow in an animal, then chances are you live the human- animal lifestyle. For so, sure. Uh, probably a long-winded answer, but, you know, it's hard to explain. I think there's those of us that just know and understand and realize what we are, and that's never been an issue for me. Yep. So, um, you know, and, and with the, the, the new brand of human animal, you know, it's kind of, think of yourself as that perfect blend of human and animal.
1: Yeah, for so. sure. Well said. And, you know, getting new hunters in not only means, like, it's not just young hunters. It's like... That's right. It's older hunters, too. You know, people 100%. that are, are just starting, because you got to think about, too, like, you know, my daughter's three years old. You've got kids, Ryder and Gunner Or nine. Is Gunner, or Ryder nine. just turned 10. Just turned 10. Yep, and just then, turned 10. And then Gunner's five. Yep. Is that what it is? So, yep. you know, there, it's a process. I mean, Gunner's another five years until he's hunting. Yep. You know, so don't also look at or don't look over the people that are, you know, already of that age where it can just you know go take the safety hunter safety courses and can get the tags and go and learn right now you know we need those hunters right now too yep you know not just uh it's kind of a road or a runway for a younger hunter but now we can get people in that are old enough that can you know i guess
2: well i think any age right i think and i think you know certain states and i'll just take the state of michigan where we live for example certain states are trying to make it more accessible to more people for sure so they have things like the mentored youth program where they basically virtually eliminate license costs mm-hmm. to get people into hunting, uh, whether it's the mentored youth program or it's the, uh, you know, once you hit a certain age, you're no longer qualify as youth, but it, it moves up to the apprentice program yep. where you can do apprentice hunting and you can have, you know, up to, I think two or three years under the apprentice program. So, uh, it really is more accessible than most people think. So, um, you know, states are doing a, a pretty decent job of trying to make the opportunity available. I just think we need to do our job as as you know hunters. And re- in all reality, you know hunters are the true conservationists. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to do a better job of explaining to people what it is that we do, why we do it, how we do it, and the effects that it has. And you know, I think it's hilarious because over the years we've heard a lot of you know anti-hunting groups or factions that are out there talk about how we're going to kill all the animals on earth and all the deer are going to disappear well what happened to that because right. there's still a lot of deer out there and not only is there a lot of deer out there and we're talking just white tail in specific right now they're healthier than ever and in in a good position yep. you know what i mean so it's uh it's a shame because you know a lot of people look down on what we do i'm not one to ever glorify it but i'm also not one to run from it right so
1: for sure well, I think we're going to wrap it right there. We literally, I mean, we're almost up camp here. If you guys have any, any more information on what we're doing and what, you know, on a day-to-day and everything, you guys want to know more, I mean, look us up on Instagram, Facebook, anything, Humanimal pages, our personal pages, whatever, reach out to us. And Casey never looked at his, so he might not want to reach out reach to Reach
2: out to Aaron. <laughs> he can get a hold of me. <laughs> I am terrible. He's a work in progress. I'm a terrible at the social medias. <laughs> I don't get that. I. Yeah. Then again, I've been the social distancing champion since
1: 1983. Yeah. Yep. So thank you guys, everybody, for listening. Thanks for the support, and good luck this week and the rest of the fall. Hey,
2: just one last thing that I want to throw in there. Everybody, good luck out there. Absolutely. But listen, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, if you climb in a tree stand this year, I don't care what age you are, if you take a kid in a tree stand, if you yourself climb in a tree stand, for heaven's sake, wear a hunter safety system. Yep. I mean already in this young 2020 season i've heard of multiple people falling paralyzed for life some have died i just don't get it i don't get it i don't understand it i've never wanted to stand up and preach from a soapbox but man in this day and age when it's as easy as a hunter safety system why would you not yep you're not tough you're not cool you actually suck if you don't wear one (laughs) so that's my soapbox so good luck wear a hunter safety system
1: All right. Thank you, guys. Talk to you later.